0: thank you very much uh, good morning folks uh, my name is and i'm an alcoholic and i'm uh, very happy to have the opportunity to be back into uh, minnesota uh, this trip was a little different i was in here a month ago and i <clears throat> had a great deal of problems As a matter of fact my passport coming through i thought they had a because they canceled the flight uh i spent the evening in the airport almost <clears throat> in minneapolis it was kind of a, a rough trip and i uh, got into duluth and they picked me up in Superior. and the following day why well, three girls uh and I use the word loosely. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, invited me for lunch. Uh, and you know, when you're invited for lunch, why you always think they're going to pick up the tab. And we got to lunch, and the bill uh, came. I don't know. It was thirty-seven dollars and eighty cents. And everybody started fumbling in their purse, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was listening to. One had a check but no identification, and the other had an identification but no check. And, uh, and the end result was that uh, I said, "Well, let me." <laughs> I was, uh, I was really overjoyed and uh, and the flight back in and I got to the airport and my car had a flat tire so it was rather an experience this one here has been somewhat different up to this point but in all seriousness though I I really do enjoy coming into uh, people I certainly want to thank the uh, chairman I want to thank Dick for the hospitality I want to welcome any and all new people that are here this morning for your first 30 days at Alcoholics Anonymous so if there are any new people here this morning you are brand new you know that would really be a surprise you know 10 o'clock Sunday morning why Uh, That's really not the time to get to Alcoholics Anonymous, you're usually. (laughs) But if there are any new people, this time of year we get a lot of new people coming into Los Angeles. Coming in here, see, we're between the seasons. In Los Angeles, why, in February is the last of the Christmas holdouts. And we kind of, you know, they get in and then that's it for a while. uh, Until we move into May, which is the light wine and beer season. And uh, (laughs) uh, between the seasons we get some dropouts. Uh, As a matter of fact, we get quite a few dropouts in Los Angeles about this time. And... Uh, a lot of new people coming into the program so i, I take it for granted that there's a lot of new people and uh, if you are by golly uh you probably resent the, fa- the hell over the fact that you're uh, by golly uh, that isn't anything unique because i i can't visualize anybody coming to aa looking forward to it uh you know it's, it's not something that we spend a lifetime wanting to do there Well, frankly, there's not a hell of a lot of class to being an alcoholic and uh, no status connected to it. We never issued out pins of identification that said you were a 32nd degree alcoholic and you had the opportunity to run around the town and show everybody the pin and then, Jesus, the town was overjoyed. You know, man, (laughs) glad you made it, Norm. You work like hell. Uh, We resist this program right down to the bitter end because, hell, we're not alcoholics. Uh, The day before I came to the program or the week before I came to the program, I was a, a heavy drinker. Uh, and a victim of unusual circumstances and rotten drivers, but I'm sure as hell not an alcoholic, I ain't going to AA. Uh, and we do everything possible. Program. It's the most unpopular fellowship in the world. Uh, we uh, change environments and jobs and wives and go to jail, and some alcoholics would rather die. You know, man, I'd rather die than go to AA. <laughs> man, I'll show you I ain't going to them rotten meetings, and he never does. <laughs> um, we joke a little bit about it, uh, but, you know, when you get right down to it, it's pretty damn serious business because... You know, that's really the element and They tell us about it. I chose to surrender, not of my own. And I came to the program, and I became a survivor. And the people that are here this morning, why, we're the survivors. And being a survivor is a hell of a deal. A survivor, to me, meant that I, I never ha- I didn't know that until I got in, but once I got into the program, I found out that I, I never had to take another drink again if I didn't want to. I found a group of people who would know most everything about me, would still accept me, who weren't necessarily interested in where I'd been or where I was trying to go, but they were very... As an alcoholic, and as an in- for it, they called it the nickel therapy in those days. They said, Norm, put the money in the telephone, buddy. Call me. Call me before you take the drink. And if you'll call me, I'm going to be down there to see you. And I put a lot of nickels in the telephone. Amazed, Because people came down to see me. People I barely knew. People that didn't want anything from me. People that didn't sit there with that pity and that hate that I've been in my life. But they sat there with compassion and with AA. And that's got to be the best deal I ever had in my life. And I'm a guy that looks half the world out there trying to find the best deal. You see, and I, I never found it until I, I got to this program and was introduced to this great group of people who would call themselves Alcoholics Anonymous. So if you're new out there this morning, why, well, give yourself a break, if you will, and grab the package that's available to you here. And I think, if you will, the day's going to come in, in your life when you can say without reservation, man, it's the best ad." In qualification of that initial statement I made, I'm an alcoholic. I'm not by any stretch of imagination an authority or a consultant on the program Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> You know, I heard the other day what a consultant was. I thought I might pass it on. It was, and it's clean.
1: Uh,
0: uh, uh, a consultant is like the, you know, the old tomcat you got, and he goes out, you know, night after night, and you get tired of him out there messing around, so you take him down to the, uh, to the veterinarian, and you get him caponized, you get him fixed up, and uh, you bring him on home. Now, uh, he still goes out at night, but he don't do much. He just consults, you see. Uh, <laughs> I never want to be a consultant. Anyway, I'm an example, good or bad, that that AA works, that it hasn't been necessary for me to take a drink, steal anything, or go to jail now for over 26 years. Uh, I'm sure that... uh, You really didn't need need to do that, but I'm glad you did. I've been been very upset. Because I really didn't think anybody would be impressed, but uh, I am, obviously, I never brought it up, and I was hoping you would clap, you know? (laughs) And uh, not only that, you never know, uh, I've been talking about it for years, we might get a pension program going in AA. <laughs> and God knows if we do, I'd like to get credit for all my time. You know, once you had 25, why well, now you're in, anyway, <clears throat> to the new people that are out there this morning, that's a difficult thing to understand, anybody's years. <throat> and hell, I can relate to that, it hadn't been that long ago that I can't remember sitting that and never forget. I'm sitting there in that first AA meeting, and I'm 29 years old, and I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can see the click, 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 <laughs> Anyway, I'm sitting there, and I'm 29 years old, and the guy stands up in front of the meeting that night, and he makes a very profound statement. He said, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink, steal anything, and go to jail now for nine and a half years. And my first indication is I want to, you know, I want to get up, and I want to say, you know, you're the biggest liar I've ever heard, because how in the hell could a guy function for nine and a half years if he doesn't drink? You know, how can you make it out there in that rotten street and deal with them lousy people and meet your responsibilities and you... Uh, yeah and you got to be honest you couldn't steal anything anymore and he hadn't had a hooker now for nine and a half years and i was uh, no that's a drink where i come from i don't know what, <laughs> i don't know what it is in minnesota
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, you got to clean it up on mother's day i better watch that. <laughs> anyway i hadn't had a, you know he hadn't had a drink for for nine and a half years and i you know, I was really upset over this uh, because I hadn't come to AA for nine and a half years. I don't think anybody came into the program for nine and a half years. It just, you know, I came into AA for a little while. You know, I came in to get the heat off. I had a hell of a lot of heat on out there in the street and I wanted to get the heat off. And I wanted to get back out there and get going because I had a lot of things to do. And I'd made a lot of giant sacrifices when I came to this program like all alcoholics. Man, I give up a lot of things I like doing, like throwing up on myself and you know, going to jail and people knocking the hell out of me. And that's what I gave up. But when you're, you're sitting there and you're brand new, these aren't the things you're thinking about. When you're sitting there and you're new, you're thinking about, man, all of the <clears throat> the activity that's going out there, and I gotta get out there and get going, and I gotta see my friends, and my friends are out there, and I couldn't remember their names, but they're there, you know that, <clears throat> and they'll probably die. If I'm saying what, I damn near rationalized myself right out the door and into that gin mill. But I, I kept going to meetings because the sponsor said, you gotta keep going to meetings. <laughs> so I went to meetings, and eventually I, I learned. You gotta take care of today, Norm. You get up in the morning and you say, I won't take a drink today, and you go on from there. <clears throat> now, my life is a right now. It's moment, isn't it? You know, I couldn't change what happened a couple hours ago and I first from now. If I got anything going for me, I've got going what's right now. And being able to get all I can get out of it right now is and good, bad, or indifferent, Norm, get it all right now. Uh, I also found out that if I could stay sober for a day, a week might come, and it did. And then it was a year, and before you knew it, why, twenty-sector day. Just yesterday I'm walking the bigs, going through the, the mental gymnastics and wondering what the hell am I doing in AA. Because as I made mention, I'm not overjoyed over the fact that I'm a place. And I thought of all the things that could have been, why am I? A hell, I didn't go down to my high school concert and he said normal. And he said marvelous, got a hell of a program for jackasses like you. <laughs> <coughs> so I ripped that city out there for, I come from a you know, I come from a family of heavy drinkers. I had great training and said, golly, my people know a lot about booze. We're not too intelligent, Irish Italian people aren't too intelligent. You know that. All we got going for us is we talk a lot with our hands. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, they knew a lot about booze. The Italians made it, the Irish drank it, and I got to AA, and that's about the way it went. You know But In the initial offset, I felt, you know, my family created a problem. Uh, the environment created the problem. I'm born in LA. Anybody problem, you know that. Uh, well, I also know that that alcoholic. Had- you know, people, places, and things didn't create trouble. I created my trouble. I drank the whiskey. The whiskey was my problem. I figured that out by myself. It wasn't all these deep-seated emotional balderdash whiskey. Yeah, I drank that whiskey, I drinking. it. And somewhere in that lottery of my in the compulsive area, one's too many and a thousand aren't enough. Looking for the answer to living and I can't find it. My entire life revolves around to sell it and people to drink it. And after half a dozen drinks, I had my destiny. I am alcoholic because I drank too much. What a giant decision that was. Figured that out by myself. Sure, <laughs> and I'm the guy that did the drinking, so I'm the problem. Yeah, no matter where I go I'm the first guy to get there yeah yeah I don't I don't have any trouble getting it messed up out there in the street I take care of that very well I'm able to from time to time overreact to any situation time. I'm able to stand flatly refuse to buy living on living's terms I want it my way and I'm gonna get it yeah sure becoming affluent uh, and wealthy is very good but getting even man yeah uh, and that still comes back from time deal since I came into the program but it's still there I'm a rotten attitude. You don't need any more than that, when you stop? Think about it. I had each and every one of those uh, qualifications before I ever took a drink. I traveled half the world and half my life. i it to myself. I spent money I didn't have and like. <coughs> Sat around them gin mills night after in my pocket, drove them Cadillacs up and down the bar night after night after night, yeah. And one of them high rollers said, what do you do? I said, man, I do it all. Jesus, I thought you mad. I, <coughs> I'm the general manager of the universe, boy. That's what I am. <coughs> sitting there in a set of diggers, hard hat and concrete all over me, you know, he knew I was important, didn't he? Yeah, <coughs> it was important to me, to him, I, I felt it was very important, I, I might drive my car around the city in the air conditioner, you see, <laughs> all of these things seem to be very significant in my life. I heard a story in Texas many years ago, you may have heard it, but I'm going to tell it, it also is clean, because it, it sums up my entire life, horseshoe, he pounds out that horseshoe, you know, and there's an old cowboy standing there watching the field. Uh, and he throws it down on the ground and the old cowboy reaches down and he picks up the horseshoe and quick he throws it back down and the old blacksmith turned to him and he said hot isn't it and the old cowboy said no it don't take me long to look at a horseshoe <laughs> uh, kind of gets to you doesn't it huh <laughs> because it's the story of my life you know i justified the stupidity you know, i'm laying on the street dead drunk and the guy says no I'm the problem was being other people. Like IAA. Other than the fact that I was able to find self, I didn't have to be anybody anymore, anywhere, any place. All he was me, because the people in the program—that's all they requested. When I walked through the doors in AA, my friends—they all said, "Man, don't impress us here, buddy. We've been impressed by experts in AA, because everybody in AA is an expert." And the beauty of that statement is, you don't need to believe me. All you got to do is talk to the guy sitting next to you about anything. <clears throat> yeah if he doesn't know what you're talking about he'll probably say that's true you know and, uh, <laughs> so you find immediately you're surrounded by a great group of experts i i made a mistake when i walked through the doors i thought i'd impress that in a year <clears throat> you <know. laughs> so you find out immediately that morning why give it a little consideration and, and get a hold of that package and this morning will tell you a little bit about me and what happened and what it was like it was to me and i don't know a better way to talk about you got <clears throat> people feel if you've been around a period of time you don't need to get into out there I just wouldn't have been around and because so, it has been necessary to get a new story. It's very difficult getting new stories in this program, you know. <coughs> I mentioned my story, and I told you a great deal about it. I, I haven't had... 39. I wasn't drinking in 39. I was stealing, but it was all because of somebody that I was something that wasn't. <coughs> I'm a, a thief by trade and alcoholic by absorption. I suppose that's the way you're out. I, I was a general manager, vice president of all the outside operations of the midnight auto supply of the San Gabriel Valley.
1: <coughs>
0: I was in the car business. At the beginning, I was in the car accessory business. I was in the hubcap business. We, <laughs> we used to pop them old hubcaps out there and run them out and sell them to individuals. And then we branched out and we got hubcap freighters. <laughs> then it got to be a job to gather up all that crap. We just stole cars. You know, <laughs> and, oh, God, it was the best business ever in my life. Because you didn't need any money to get into it. No capital. <clears throat> you carried absolutely no inventory and everything you turned was 100% profit. How the hell are you going to beat that deal, huh? They teach that in school today. I've always felt I've been way ahead of them out there. My problem was illegal. <sighs> and you're, hey, uh, there's more policemen than thieves. The inevitable happens. You're arrested. I was arrested. Went in front of the man. The man said, here, <clears throat> out to the Whittier Reformatory." not out. The juice got in, and it worked, and I got a release, L.A. I didn't have any change of attitude. I'm still looking for the Fantasyland. And the Fantasyland walked in, and it was 1941. It was Easter week in L.A., Easter week, Balboa Beach, the Rendezvous Ballroom, Stan Kenton, and God, uh, drinking that old Padre, six, seven cents of Bollies, act four times drunker than what you were, breathe on them girls, or, you know, let them know.
1: <coughs>
0: yeah, big high roller coming in from L.A., girly, yeah. A lot of fun. In the beginning, it was a fun time. I'm not an alky the first time out of the shoot. A lot of guys feel they are. I wasn't. I worked at it. I moved from Padre beer, Rainier ale, the old Green Death, and from the Green Death, I got it. <clears throat> I'm a lucky alky because I didn't bring in whiskey. Whiskey did every loving thing I thought anything ought to do. man, it got in town <clears throat> and I want to be downtown and I don't want to be downtown in a little while. I want to be there right now. And that's thing one thing about whiskey it gets get your attention, I'll tell you. <clears throat> in a summertime, boy, you pull one out from under the seat <clears throat> It's about a hundred and five, and you take a long jolt out of that baby boy, it'll get your attention, I'll tell you. <laughs> it gets you downtown, downtown in the summertime, yeah. Well, I broke in on that ten high. Let me tell you, that's a dedication in it. Oh God, I, I don't know whether they sell ten high in Minnesota. They should band it, but <clears throat> they're still selling in L.A. That was a rottenest, roughest crap in my life. I don't think they made anything worse than ten high. Sixty, seventy cents a pint, man, and that every drop burned. God, it, it burned going and it burned coming, you know. <laughs> when you're a young man training your stomach is a little tender and uh, you know how you, you take a long drag and baby that all the way down it's burning and it's burning coming up it's running out my nose and making my eyes water but I hung in I think that's important yeah
1: <laughs>
0: if you're going to be an alcoholic you don't give up because you throw up a little bit boy stay in there huh? and the day comes when you don't heave anymore and you feel like you've really arrived and there's a lot to be said about cheap whiskey when you throw it up you don't lose much right <laughs> I bought a friend of mine some of them in business. I was talking about her a while back. You know, in our business, we buy booze. I bought a friend of mine some wild turkey. Uh, $13 a fifth. Boy, and all I could think about was, what if he throws it up, for God's sake, you know? <clears throat> $13 all over the ground. That'll make you sick just watching it roll out, won't it? <laughs> well,
1: that
0: was the beginning of my problems. By 1942, in January, I was in the Navy, and I was in choice. Violation of probation, and they won me i joined the navy i went in as a seaman in 42 in january and four years later i was discharged out and i was a (coughs) seaman and that was very difficult to do but i managed it you see because i took me and my attitude right with me i got in there and i've always reacted to authority or overreacted and and reacted (coughs) in the first year year and a half that i was in a marshal the general court marshal was the highest the navy had to offer at that time they didn't go any higher than that (coughs) i was awarded 11 and a half months in a navy prison ...off of the general court martial deal. Uh, I was able to, though, to, to come out of prison. I uh, was and I was reinstated. I I had, uh, you know, one jam after another uh, when I was right. Uh, you got to be, you know, 99% of the alcoholics are hard workers, and they, they have to, you know, uh, they, they got to work 25% harder out there, right? Uh, because you're always coming from behind. You always got the heat on. The best day an elk has is Tuesday, because he missed Monday. You know, he's, he's got to go like hell out there, right? And so when he's on a job, man, he goes. And he, he did, I like the, I like ships, I like the sea. Consequently, I, I did a good job and I was able to keep the, I came out on Christmas Eve in 19, and in 1946, through the grace of God, the Moses himself, I heard about Adena. Pasadena was a bad town, bad drinking town, bad for me, bad judge, bad policeman, bad either, right? One problem after another. Well, in 1946, I, just had a, I had a year suspended on a three-year probation. I made a statement to myself, I'm not drinking and pass it in, Pasadena, or at least I'm not going to get drunk and pass it in. Pasadena. I'm not going to do that. No. And I didn't do that for a couple of months, maybe three. And one night, I'm, I'm out of town, and I'm drinking with a couple of treasures. And while drinking, I committed the cardinal sin. I began to think. And that's a bad deal for an alcoholic. He should either think or drink, but you should never do them both at the same time. Cause I got to thinking about that rotten town of Pasadena and that policeman and, and if I want to go back to Pasadena I'm going ventured. I'm going back and I went back. Yeah, obviously after that kind of wrecked. Pasadena. I couldn't been there a couple of hours. Uh, had uh, very drunk. Went out and got a mile <coughs> before I knew the A car's making a left frightened. I spent all my life being frightened. I was frightened and when I woke up in the morning, I was frightened more. in a high-power tank and <coughs> in to go back to a town to say I'll never go back to again, to, to hit a car, the odds of thousand turn me to go in front of the same judge who had But I didn't do anything about it then because I was not that alcoholic then. I was that heavy drinker. It was the people, the rotten people of them. And so he left and I left. And I walked down that road for another eight and a half years. I'd love to tell you that he and I got together and we had a happy sobriety. We walked that road of happy sobriety. <clears throat> but eventually, you know, I came to the program eight and a half years Sullivan. And I can't find him. Eventually, our paths crossed my He'd had over three years on the program, but he chose to go, chose to go back out and to, to drink again because he didn't believe it. <laughs> and he continued to drink and flop in and out of the program. And his ego wouldn't let him stay because he had. And so he'd go back out again. And I thought again, you know, how, how very sad it is. And why is it? Why do 25% of the people got to go? Man, once an alcoholic, you die an alcoholic. You never recross Are that compulsive drinker. Only know that things of this nature come to pass. They happen. It comes from a power much greater than I. Of this, I am sure. Each and every time that it happens, oh sad. So when I came into the program, they said 50% of you guys are going to cut it the first trip. 25% you're going to mess with the program, and eventually you're going to get it. alcohol. I'm sure those statistics aren't right today. I'm shoot. I'm sure that the, two of the well, I walked that road and I drank a lot of whiskey in those next, next. In order to make this qualification, about that time, I after I got out of jail, I went to work for one of the largest construction firms in the world and the pipeline in tough states <coughs> and a uh, you know things moving good and uh, getting uh, promotions and <coughs> the money was good and about that time I had a little setback and uh a morning <coughs> yesterday afternoon I met a red-headed Irish woman and she had a violent temper a rotten disposition and yelled at me all the time not only that she was pregnant a great deal of the time and uh, this uh, this creates problems for the alcoholic and she never recognized what a sensitive individual I was. Alcoholics are very sensitive people. Uh, you're out, if you're an alcoholic, you can agree to that. You know, I was out there and I'd be drunk a couple of days and I'd come home and I'd walk in the house and I want a little love, affection, and understanding. I don't want to be met at the door with that crap. You're drunk again, you know. What the hell, she hasn't even smelled my breath. The walking drunk man from 20 feet. She was always dumbfounded. I'd stand there a, and I'd wonder, how does she know? Standing there a Sunday afternoon, I'd had a bad day. A guy'd opened my eye up. I had dried my face, my shirt's torn, and I got one shoe on. And I was trying to figure out, how in the hell does she always know that? I went, <laughs> now you can believe it or not, I'd call her on the damn phone. And she'd say, you're drinking, are you? God, I got paranoid. I'd jump out of the phone booth. i look around. What the hell is that guy? You know, I knew she had hired people to follow me. What I didn't know was, you know, when I'd call her on the phone, I'd make some silly stare, she <laughs> you know, how are you doing, baby, <laughs> I always thought that I was very coherent. Well, you can see under the circumstances, <sighs> now, standing there in the kitchen, tired, I like a little loving, and uh, she'd stand there going, you're drunk again, and I'd say, who me, and she'd say, "Yeah, you, and then I'd say, do you know who you're talking to, ha, <laughs> boy, that always gets them, doesn't it, huh? just in case she doesn't know doesn't know who she's talking to, or you have the opportunity to introduce yourself to her, right? Then yeah. so I'd tell her, I'm old norm, baby. That's who the hell I am. And don't you? And then she'd mimic me as the only way them Irish women can do it. I'm old norm. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Very degrading for a high roller, I'll tell you. <laughs> Standing there with your new business partner, you know, your new friend. You met him in the bar last night, you've invited him home. And the reason he's coming home with you is, hell, he don't want to go home alone either. <laughs> I've been on both sides of that fence, sure. There's that security of numbers, and you're standing there going, you know, you've embarrassed me. And, and he's giving you, you know, tell her, Norm, buddy, you know. <laughs> he's a big help, isn't he? All he's doing is digging a deep face. And you tell her, by God, woman, <clears throat> you're not going to apologize. Back and what do you think of that? And she would go down and throw all my clothes out. That's what she thought about it. <laughs> and then I would pick up my clothes. You have to. You got to save face in front of your friend who you can't think of his name.
1: <clears throat> and you
0: got to <clears throat> pick up them damn clothes and you got to get them out into the car back again. <clears throat> and the neighbors are watching. uh <laughs> On a Saturday afternoon, what's better than the old alky performing out there, loading up his car, beats the hell out of gun smoke every Saturday afternoon. Does it? <laughs> Yeah, he's loading up his car he's waving. I'm going! (laughs) He sits in his car honking his horn. Honk, honk, honk! (laughs) Goodbye, I am never returning. She did it again, the rotten woman. Then, zoom, you're gone. Two days later, zoom, here you come again, right? (laughs) Better read you're coming back home as you tap out and you get tired of sleeping in the car. Boy, I'll tell you that car sleeping will get what? Feel you know, your head screwed up under the armrest and the door handle in your ear. You ever wake up about midnight and you're sick as hell and you think your window's down but it's up, you know. <clears throat> Knock the hell out of your head, you know. Throw up all over your own window. Then you roll it down. Squish, 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 right?
1: <laughs> and you
0: say to yourself, drinking's fun. <laughs> I'm having a marvelous time. More bad whiskey and you go home. On the way home, maybe you have a flat tire. If you're an alcoholic, you wouldn't think of it. You you might hurt yourself, so you drive on it. They call them rim drivers in AA. Driving on the tire, and it gets all chewed up, and the sparks are flying off of the rim, and you're pulling the car uh, down the street that you live on, and the people are running out and getting the kids the hell out of the way so you don't kill anybody. (laughs) And you tool that car into the driveway, up on the lawn, through the hedge, open the door, fall out. (laughs) Yeah, you lay out of the lodge, you say to yourself after a half an hour or so when you saw me. Yeah. <laughs> because as an alcoholic, you're deeply concerned about your reputation. <clears throat> Alcoholics worry immensely about what people think about them. It never occurred to me to quit drinking, they'd quit thinking about me. Yeah. Well, you can see under these adverse conditions, I did very little drinking around my home. <clears throat> I was a bottle hider, shin mills anyway, because I was by, by nature. <clears throat> I was born and raised a bar drink Music. <laughs> just hammered at you out there, right? About midnight, you never had a drink with just old working people. You drank with all of the high rollers, the big money, uh, building the castles. stations. Wonder what the poor people are doing tonight because all the money was there, yeah. <clears throat> when you got tired of talking and lying to each other, you could sit there and look in that mirror. And they put those mirrors in those gym cells. You, you kind of get that Maybelline look about midnight, don't you? Just wide-eyed. <laughs> you devil, you, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how good looking you got in the last hour. Sitting there. You bring that drink up and you... you're a lover and a killer. Hundred and fifty ring wet in those days, and I couldn't lick my lips, let alone anybody else, huh? <laughs> that whiskey brings it all out. And you're wondering why the dollies you got it goin' tonight, huh? You got a thirty dollar smiling Frankie go down the front of you there. A little whiskey spilled in with it and you mumble a lot and smell bad, but you're a lover and a killer, that's what you are as you slowly slide off the bar stool onto the floor. And a bartender 86 is you because you can't speak right. Or you go to the men's room, that's a bad deal, Ed. <coughs> you haven't got any money, so you gotta slide out of the door, right? Call them door sliders in AA, bet there's some here today.
1: <coughs>
0: then you slide out again, never realizing, once you got in, all you had to do is turn the handle and walk out, huh? <coughs> what a revelation AA is, huh? all the good news comes in no longer do I slide out <coughs> and I walked that road and I went them gin mills <coughs> all over the country whiskey, trying to get a handle on it trying to drink like hell <laughs> down the respect of the people I worked for and did business with eventually was taking jams big jam Moses Lake Washington then a big spring <coughs> <coughs> but to put me in jail I got a picky spring with it. a case of whiskey in the back end and an open po- open bottle beside me and <coughs> going down all of it <laughs> the following day I paid the fine they took me to Midland and then they sent word to the corporation and said don't let them come back we don't need you saying they said Norm you know you're, you're a pretty good guy but you just you're cheating too much and you you seem to be bent on destroying yourself and destroying your life and destroying your family and <laughs> and the company is always on the edge with you and you become saddened and the next time we smell booze on your you're out no more do me a favor will you please get the hell out of my office and and I remember the day because of the humiliation of it all. Alcoholics can write volumes on humility because they've been humiliated so many times. I stand here in front of the man, you know, and I'm dying inside. And God, that, <clears throat> what I want to do, I want to reach out and I want to grab him by the throat and I want to say, who the hell do you think you are? What do you think you're talking to, you John? You know, I'm the guy that makes it run out there. I'm the backbone of that division. Who, who are you to tell me? <clears throat> but I'm scared to death I have the money because I got to keep the heat off out there on the street. <clears throat> and i got to buy that whip. And I swallow it, the gall, and I bite the bullet, and I rationalize within myself, and I'm a giant rationalizer. And I say, okay, to myself, he'll get away with it this time, but by God, the next time he jumps my case, he's through. By God, the next time that it happens, I'm going to tell him I'm going to quit this rotten company business, and, and then he's going to have to come down to see me for a job, and he's going to walk in my office, and I'm going to say, I remember you. Get the hell out of here. And then I had another drink, and I dreamed another I spent a lifetime of being frightened on, <coughs> all the associations and then one day I drive home to the house that I live in and I park the car and I'm walking up and I'm going through the you know on my mind the he's a schemer the old scheme one more lie one more promise old Red's going to let me in <laughs> yeah standing there going through the third act with the tears coming down going baby give me a break me I've got a hell of a deal Red going down to see the priest take a pledge another pledge another priest another parish go down and see that doctor he was telling about Red Jesus kids. <coughs> and she'd relent and I'd get up again well, eventually the day comes when you grind it all out, Mrs. And you stand there and you hear the words that you can't really. Tom, the hell! You'll never live to be thirty-five years old. You're drinking yourself to death. The kids are neurotic because of you, and I'm a neurotic because of you. And when you're working in the state, all I do is worry, Norm. All I do is sit here looking through the front room window waiting to see your car come. home. night after night after night. And when your car doesn't come in, I just die. I die a little more. No more. I call an attorney. I've asked for separate maintenance. I put a to res- you ah nah you're, i'm divorcing you norm you you get out of our life we're better off without you we don't need your money because you never have any you're tapped out they're foreclosing us out of this house norm they're taking away your automobile and the oh god why me why oh, that old charlie he don't even work i ain't that bad a guy but you know what i know you're an alky you drink enough booze out there long enough and hard enough to just out not it until the whiskey gets every loving thing you got that means anything alcohol is what i say they grind very slow but very fine and all you got to do is give it enough time and it all. Sure, there's cases. More so today than when I came in where we're all together, huh? Still got the woman, huh? They're walking through the door and got the woman with him. And, uh, he's sick and, and she's sick. And you look in her eyes and it's never worked. And I'm sure this isn't going to work either. And then you see the same couple a couple of months later. Uh, the guy, he's kind of sharped out a little bit and he's cleaned up a little bit. Uh, and in the woman's eyes is a store of life. And it's all made possible through a unique miracle that you and I choose to call... Alcoholics Anonymous, huh? And I'd love to tell each and every new guy in here. that that's the way it's gonna be for you. But that isn't necessarily the way it's anonymous. There are people who put up with this crap for 20 years always hoping this jackass is gonna straighten out. Yeah, 20 years of watching you flop in and out of the house. 20 years of picking up the pieces you makes make. <clears throat> 20 years of telling friends and relations, don't come over, Norm's got the flu. He flew under the bed, that's what he flew, yeah. <clears throat> Hell, I wouldn't go through it 20 days, let alone 20 years. But there are people that'll hang in and go through it. <clears throat> that in an life and whatever you are you're going to be better at you're a ditch digger you're going to be a better ditch digger we don't guarantee anybody's going to make a ton of scratch or drive a big iron or live in a big house on a hill or your woman's ever going to let you come in or your man whatever the case may be no you have to offer and we'll throw in a little more we'll reunite you with the sweetest thing you can do. and i think that's what it takes to get in the street i don't think a guy walked through that door that still had any respect and <clears throat> i had to isolate one thing that drove me right down to the bottom of the the heap was that the one surrender point was it inside well it became very very difficult in the morning to wash my face and shave because look at me because I knew knew inside I could still kid every man jack in town drunk or sober but the day came when I couldn't jive myself anymore I just couldn't kid myself anymore and I was a damn sick and tired of being sick and tired and I didn't know that I just knew that I was sick of all that was going on and I couldn't find anything to relieve the pain And I hadn't tried AA. I'd heard about AA in 1946 when I was sitting in the city jail. I heard about AA a couple of months prior to that when they had brought it to my attention. Very subtly. My neighbor had saw that motion picture come back Little Sheba. It's crazy, isn't it, how the seed gets planted. And in that motion picture, they had an alcohol program. And that's how she'd come to find out about the program I knew. And so I called that central office because I didn't have anything left to try. And I didn't want to live the way I was living any longer. And at a central office in Los Angeles, I talked to a guy who was a very kind, a very understanding individual in the program. And he said, I was sincere about my endeavor that I would take these numbers down and I would call. And eventually he said, You'll get a hold of somebody who'll be out to see you. Now, if you run out of numbers, you don't get anybody, call me back and I'll give you some more numbers. And I call, and eventually I got a hold of a guy and he says, Hang in, I'll be out in a while. And a couple of hours go by and a man drives up and he walks into my house and he sits down. And he tells me about this program, and he tells me about himself. And he also said, now, I want you to remember something, my friend, that this program is for people that want it and need it. And it's you. You need us. And we don't need you. <clears throat> and that you're going to have to go to any length to get this thing, Norm. Any length. The same way you went for the booze. Any length. Lied, cheated, conned, stole, walked. Any length. Come to AA. Any length to get this program. He said, if you think I'm going to pick you up, take you a meeting, you're crazy. Now nah, you car, you drive. You got a car, what the hell are you doing in AA? Yeah, people that own cars and watches, you can sell something and buy whiskey. What are you doing in AA? But he said, here recently, the last two or three years, we've softened up a great deal. We've been taking chances on people with cars and <clears throat> watches and rings. And by golly, some of you guys are making it. You're working out all right. But he said, your age is against you. We don't have many guys in your 20s. But he said, I am perfectly willing because I <clears throat> am willing to help anybody. I'm willing to meet you down at the meeting tonight. He said, I'm willing to meet you at three meetings. He said, I'm going to be in Temple City tonight. I'll be in Pasadena tomorrow night. I'm going to Arcadia on Tuesday night. He said, I'm going to introduce you around a lot of people. I'm going to get you a lot of phone numbers. I'm going to get to see that you have a book. <coughs> and I'm going to put you, and I'm going to launch you into this and make the decision what you want to do. Well, needless to say, I don't like this guy. Yeah, you know, there's about 18, 20 years differential in our age. We've got that generation gap. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this guy, and I'm thinking, man, you know, <laughs> If he could make it, anybody can make it. He's about as rotten a guy as I'd met in a long time. And I, I couldn't think about you know anything, except I want to get down to that meeting, and I want to drive my car, and he's going to be there in the parking lot, and I'll just crush the hell out of him. with my car is what I want to do. And when he says, if you got a car, I'll say, yeah, you're laying under it, you rotten old man. Now, yeah. <laughs> well, I went down to that meeting in spite of myself. I went there in spite of him. I went there because this is a God-directed thing. I got into the automobile, and I drove down to the meeting. you' just hardly wait to get there. I pulled into the parking lot, and my God, he was waiting there, and I was really surprised. And I parked my car, I forgot how much I hated him. And I parked my car, and he walked up, and he opened the door, I got out, and he put his arm around me, and I loved that guy from that day of the day he died. Hell of a guy for everybody else but himself. He had ages, (laughs) him up. a very resentful individual. Resentments are a luxury we as alcoholics afford. You know, chapter six was for other people, to turn his will and his life over to the care of anybody. Totally just could not be done. And he would get resentful over the fact that people wouldn't do the things he wanted them to do. And eventually he got to the point where he had to surrender 12 years. And he again, another man that kept coming back in, and kept trying to get a hold of him, trying to make him, but his ego said, don't stay, because you are the guy that carried the message. He was a tremendous speaker in AA. Talked all over hell, carried the message to thousands of people. And he kept saying, well, I wasn't the guy. I carried the message. I, I sponsored the people. I did the job. I lost eight years. Couldn't forget it until he had a heart attack some 12 years later. Back in, had a year and a half on the program, and then he died. And we talked about things that were necessary. We talked about things that weren't necessary. <clears throat> hell of a guy, hell of a sponsor, best sponsor in the world because he was my spy. He's the guy that took the time out that Sunday afternoon to come out and see me. He's the guy that met me down there at Temple City. The old Temple City meeting those days 80, 90 of the finest drunks ever came out of the San Gabriel Valley, let me tell you. And we were a wealthy group, very wealthy group. We had so much money in the group in those days, by God, we had donuts before and after the meeting. Can you believe that? (laughs) We didn't have them flaky, plain old donuts, man. We had red jelly donuts. We liked them red jelly donuts. They were good for new people. See a new guy coming through the door and he's all green and hung out. And the red jelly donut committee had slide right up on him there. (laughs) How are you doing, buddy? Glad to see you. Oh, yeah. How about some, I bet you'd like a donut. (laughs) No, I don't want the donut. Did you ever look at a red jelly donut when you got a hangover? Jesus, it makes your teeth itch, you know. I don't, I don't want your donut, jeez. And they all stood around in groups and they all talked at the same time about different things. Ever notice that in AA? And every time some guy gets to the, the punchline of the story, he's trying to tell him, somebody interrupts him. When you're new, you hear that, keep coming back. And you think, that's why, Yeah. Yeah, if I keep coming back, I'll hear the end of something around here. You know, I never hear nothing. Very rude people in AA. But it works. That's the important thing It works. Yeah, a guy stands up in front of the media. at that typical AA meeting, he stands up there, tells everybody what a jackass he is, they become hysterical over the fact that this guy's the biggest bomb in town. Yeah, he drinks whiskey and they beat him up. They laugh, <clears throat> drinks whiskey, goes to jail, they laugh more. <laughs> he drank something called Jamaica ginger, he got off the whiskey. The Jamaica ginger gave him the Jake leg, I never heard of such a thing. The Jake leg put him in a hospital for a couple of months. They didn't only laugh, they were hysterical you know the poor bugger can't walk that had to be the funniest thing anybody anybody'd ever heard in a long time and my sponsor's sitting there you know and he's a nudger they're all nudgers sponsors learn it in sponsor school did you hear that
1: <sighs>
0: chris they got you in the front row you're not deaf <laughs> and your wife your wife learns it through osmosis you know she never has been to sponsor school but she sits there did
1: you hear that harry <laughs> that's
0: you right there terrible thing you're humiliated and you get a sore side <clears throat> and the guy's telling things that have been hiding all my life and I'm thinking what the hell is he telling all that I wouldn't tell anybody things like that <clears throat> no but he talked and he talked about coming to the program
1: <clears throat>
0: yes and he talked about the sobriety but he'd left me you see that man had left me because I, I'd lost identification in the beginning I could identify with a guy he's a street man out of LA I know them LA streets but he come from the tough streets Way tougher than I'd ever seen, and he lost me, and he'd been seventy, eighty 70, 80 jails, I ain't that bad. And I get to thinking, you know, I'm young, and I haven't had that much trouble, and and I really have no story. What kind of a qualification do I have in this program? For goodness sake, I've only been in 25 jails. I drank a little Vitalis and Aqualvelva once in my life. What's that? You know, that Aqualvelva, that small hole, you know, bad. But, you know, that really didn't have any any qualification, I, I didn't think. I... I felt, you know, I'm really a little bit young to be here. I, I think I might go out again. And, but that man Barry made a, a very profound statement that night, and I'll always be glad that he did. He extracted it out of the book, and he elaborated a little on it. He said, it, it don't make any difference what you drank or where you drank it or how much you consumed. He said, it's what it's doing to you. And he said, if it's tearing up any part of your life, you don't have to go any farther. And when he said that, I'm thinking, yeah, it's tearing the hell out of my life. <clears throat> it sure is. I'm, I'm so damn tired of hurting myself I could just spit. And as I looked at that guy that night, the one thing I knew past a shot of a doubt, I never had to hurt myself anymore if I didn't want to. Because he hadn't hurt now for nine and a half years, that guy hadn't hurt. Program of A is a program of example. You like what you see. You, you come back and you want to see a little more, isn't it? What he is speaks so loud, I cannot hear a word he says. The example of the man, the street man, there he was. No street man, but a man. A man by God, and he's clean, and he's sharp, and he's happy, and his eyes are clear, and he laughs a great deal, and his clothes are fine. God, he's got a set of threads on, probably cost him a hundred bucks, and I. I thought, man, if he didn't get nothing else out of AA, what a set of drapes he got. I bet uh, maybe they got another issue coming through or something or I can hustle one of these guys, you know, and I'm thinking, hell, oh, that's, that's all right. And then he said, if I could do it, you could do it. And, and I think maybe I could because that guy had, had so much trouble. His woman had divorced him and remarried and his kids, they all hated him, he said. But he said one day a miracle came to pass and, and he bought the package of this program and he had a change of attitude and his kids walked on down and the street and, they came to see him one day And they learned to like him To respect him and love him God, if I'd looked around that night I'd have seen it all I'd have seen them tough guys in AA Sitting there crying Tough, big, tough guys crying And the story was related to me that night I didn't realize it that night But it was told And I heard it hundreds upon hundreds of times since That they laughed because they were miserable And they cried because they were happy And they called it alcoholic session Maybe so, but it's the only plat. And as I look back over the years And I think, you know, I damn near missed it all Because the second meeting I was ever to go to was almost the last meeting I was to ever attend. The second meeting, my sponsor said, I'm gonna meet you in Pasadena. And I said, do we have to go to Pasadena? That's a rotten town over there. And he says, we're going to Pasadena, I'll meet you there. And I drove over to Pasadena to what they call the Villa Street group. It was the mother group. It was the oldest group within the area. That group was filled with old timers. As a matter of fact, he had had 10 years on the program to read the steps, you know. then the speaker that night, an old-timer, been sober 137 years, my God. And when he spoke, he took up, he stood up there, God, I learned to love the guy later on. But the, when he talked, he always showed a picture of himself. And it was a great big blown-up mug shot, taking him when he was doing time in a county jail. And the point that he tried to get across was, he says, look at me when I'm drinking, and look at me now. And I looked at that picture, and I looked at Artie, and I thought, Jesus, he looked better drunk, that guy did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this outfit ages the hell out of these guys. And you know something, I went out the next day, and I bought a pint of whiskey, and I took a long drag out of it, and I threw it away. And from that day to this, it has been necessary. Got moving in strange and mysterious ways, because my sponsor said, you got to go to three meetings, and I didn't three meetings. At a third meeting, I walked into that Arcadia Group, which was to become my home group. And at the Arcadia Group that night, I met a half a dozen guys, and we were about the same age. And we ran from 26 up to 36. And we started going to meetings together and having meetings after the meetings together. And they're the good kind when you're new, man. Them meetings after the meetings. Because you get the in-depth inventories taken after the meetings. You make notes, you know, yeah. You know. And we soon discovered there were a lot of flaky people in AA. Yeah, a lot of cliques. Yeah, so we formed our own clique to be against the other cliques. That's important when you're new, Right. It's even important when you're older, right? <laughs> yeah. And we were going to get that San Gabriel Valley street now. We were going to run one of our guys for secretary of the largest group. And from that, we would branch out, and we would control the other groups in the valley there. And then we would put in one central treasury system where the money would be funneled in, and it would all look very good. Oh, yes. But they said, you can't do that because you've got to have a year of sobriety before you can anybody for secretary. Well, they thought they were going to get us out of there, but we hung in. At the end of the year, this Pollock. he gets a year in. We run him for secretary. And they say there's, there's, no, there's no politics today. Don't you believe it? Boy, on election night, we went down to El Monte and Baldwin Park. We imported a bunch of friends. And our man, my God, he became secretary of that group. It was a landslide. And a week later, he joined the other cliques. Yeah, put us on coffee detail, picking up trash trays. Oh, yeah, he was rotten, that guy was. But I'll tell you the one thing it did for us all. It had us looking around. When you start looking around, what do you see? You see people in AA, don't you? And that's all you ever see is people. You see people from all walks of life. You see people that you wouldn't do any drinking with and they wouldn't with you. I saw people I won't share all my sobriety with them and they're not gonna share all of theirs with me. But as the guy told me years ago, Norm, he says there's not a guy in this program would dislike you so bad, he'd like to, he'd like to see you take a drink. But no matter what you stand for in your personal life, your AA Like would you call him up, he'd be down there to see you. And he'd sit there with understanding. Be compassionate and he'd help because he wouldn't want to see you go through that uh, that grinder in that jungle one more trip uh, he would be there and he would help my life uh, I'd love to tell you that each and every one of these things come uh, that I learned all of these things in the early months in the early years but they don't it's a continual educational period but one thing has never changed that I found out very young very early in the program that by golly you can't have and you can't keep what you don't give away that I have to make that total transition That i got to quit taking, because I'm a taker by nature. I'm a taker of things and a user of people. I'm a loser. Uh, you got to give, Norm. My sponsor says there's room here for all. Give it, Norm. Pick up that ashtray. Pick up that tray. Move the chair. Make the coffee. If you're politically inclined, Norm, we'll run you for secretary and guarantee you the job, Norm. Honest to God. Uh, You want to go beyond the central service, general service, institutional work, but he says where it's really at is a a 12-step call, and the guy's still hurting out there. Carrying the message out there to the man that's still cutting up, uh, sitting there on a one-on-one and giving a little of him, you know, a little of yourself to him and he to you, and uh, and getting a little lucky, and this guy latches on to it, and you start taking him to meetings. That uh, pretty soon a year goes by, and, and he stands up in front of the group <clears throat> at the end of that year, uh, and he gets that cake, and he blows out the candle, and he looks out there in the audience, and there you sit, and he identifies, "My sponsor's there. That's Charlie." was one for him wouldn't be here. They say my life, and if you're the sponsor, that he's talking about. huh? That feeling you've been looking for all your life. That sense of well-being. If you're that sponsor, that sense of well-being is an overwhelming thing. And as humble as we alcoholics are, you may turn to the man sitting next to you. You might say, I be sponsor.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Not because you're so ego-bound, but just because you feel so damn good and you want to share it. Yes. You have arrived. A feeling. That sense of well-being that I tried to find in the whiskey. I found it here on the program, and all I had to do was be willing to be willing to give a little for the hell of it and want nothing in return. A man said, you can't, you never bought it, you can never sell it. You can only give it, and the more you give, the better it is. And on it went. And I'd love to tell you that every day has been a holiday for me, and every meal has been a banquet. But that's what they promised me now. Now they said, Norm, you're going to take the good days, you take the bad days. You've got to stand out there and be counted when, that, when everything falls down around you. In 1962, for example, I couldn't hit a lick. 1962, everything I touched touched, turned to pucky, you know, the kind of year, huh? I got involved with some people downtown. I'm from downtown, they were from downtown, downtown, you know what I mean? Yeah, they ate my lunch in 62, I'll tell you. Financially, I was in the worst shape of my life, and it was one, it seemed to be one thing after another in September of that year, why, as I stood there in front of St. Luke's Hospital, and I said, gee mighty, why, 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 why? Hasn't there been enough this year? I got an honest desire to take a drink. I got an honest desire to take a drink all year. Now well, I got the Arab thirst. I got so bad I was in Florida, I even ordered a drink in Florida, sitting in a gin mill in a place that I don't belong. I'm in the drinking world I don't belong there. The man says, "What do you have?" He says, "Give me a double zing." There it was, because I forgot for a moment who the hell I was, and where I came from and what it took to bring me to that point in my life, through the grace of God that looks after damn fools and drunks and guys that can't cut it up on their own, I didn't have to take that drink. I was there for a moment, I remember who the hell I was and where I came from. As I stood out there in front of St. Luke's Hospital, deep I knew. Deep inside I knew, you never get more than what you can carry. What the hell? The old shooter upstairs has always been kind. He cuts everything to size. He gives the big loads to the big horses and the small ones. He's always given the guy's name, Norm. Instead of standing around crying a poor mouth about what you didn't get or what you did get, why don't you thank him for what you have and what you are? what this day has brought. And so one more time, I'll say thank you very much. Thank you very much for what you give me, man. Thank you very much for this day. Thank you very much for the 26 years you let me walk out there on the sunny side of the street. Because hell, I know guys that died never saw 26 days. Because they died on the street of booze and fantasy. Busted dreams and broken hearts and tears tears by the bucketful. They went out hard, let me tell you. They went out with that heat on. And they justified their existence to the bitter end. So you see, I haven't had to do it. It isn't necessary for me today to justify my existence to anybody. Sure, from time to time I do it because I get scared. You get a little frightened. uh, And so you find yourself standing there justifying things that you don't have to. Two years, two months ago, I resigned from a corporation I've been with 22 years and opened up my own business. And I I compromised a little bit, maybe. And I justified a little. And I justified things that weren't necessary. And it almost ate me alive, you see. Because deep inside, I know I don't have to do that. Because I'm not coming from behind. When I left that corporation, I did them a job for 22 years, and I'm not coming from behind. Even though I'm going out, I'm now a competitor to they. Still and all, I will not, even though I did, ever have to do that again. Because I was clean yesterday, I was clean today, and God willing, I'll be clean tomorrow. And so I will not have to justify my existence out there. I'm doing the best I can do with equipment that God give me one day at a time. And I'll walk out on that street, and I'll be on the street, and I'll feel good, and I'll be respected by people, and... <clears throat> i'll be respected by myself which is yet and i'll be able to do to go home at night uh, to a house because i live in a house and and in the house that i live in is a woman she's a red-headed irish woman and, and she's glad i'm coming in most of the time
1: <clears throat>
0: and nobody cries in that joint today because their old man is drunk and tearing it up and i haven't heard a kid of mine scream at me for years and i've watched him go from small ones to big ones and i've seen the boys go to schools and get some education and i've seen some dogs go to schools and get some educations and and I've taken my oldest daughter, I've taken all of my daughters downtown, and one by one, I've done it. <clears throat> and I bought them their first pair of high-heeled shoes. I, I watched them chickens grow up, and they became women. The chickens of my life became the women of my life. And I, I cry now because they are women. <clears throat> and they're no longer the chickens that kiss me goodnight. They move out of my house, and, <clears throat> and they date jackasses. <laughs> they all come around, you know, and eventually when they walk in with one of them, you all know, we're going to get married. I want you to meet David. David Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> Baby, there's got to be something better than that out there to help you find it, huh? <clears throat> now I love him. How could you love him, you know? <clears throat> but you go through it, and you survive it all, and you don't have to take a drink. And if you're very lucky, you walk them down the aisle one by one, and you cry. And you cry every step of the way, and four or five hundred people are sitting in a church to watch you cry. And <clears throat> 80, 90 Alkies and they're crying because Alkies cry better than anybody, don't they, huh? You take a bunch of Alkies to a supermarket opening and they cry. Yeah. (laughs) Very emotional people. And you get up to the altar, you know, and you got this chicken there all dressed in white and everybody's crying like hell for the joy. They're crying for the happiness of it all. And your A buddies are crying because they're happy because you're happy. They got a feeling for you, a feeling that you've never felt. And you've got a feeling for him and you're so happy that he's sober and that he's able to. And I'd like to be able to tell you how these feelings work. I can only tell you that if you knew out there, buddy, every loving thing I am or ever will be is of AA. It has been a long walk from the LA County jail to the point that I stand today. And but for the grace of God, Alcoholics Anonymous, and friends like you, I could have missed it all. Thanks a man. God love you. <laughs>